That's true. That That's order. true. And you're like, yeah, no, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very gestural when I talk, so. Yeah. Or like they people tend not to like keep the the uh, the altitude of their mouth consistent to oh, make okay. to, be, to be you know with them with the microphone. I will try to do all of those things, Benson. All right, cool. How's that? Yeah, it's pretty good. God, pretty good. I'm like really close. Yeah. Yeah, like um, even I'm, closer. I think, is this better? No, it's it's completely fine. Oh, okay. I think um, like I can the, smell the microphone. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like with the way, like with the way I'm speaking, um, I might be just a tiny, just a smidge farther from the mic than you, but I'm peaking like um, you know, around like the negative fourteen decibel range, and okay, you're, you're, you're just about there. Okay. So. Um, do you want to give me like a sign when I guess I I'm too loud? Um. Just like go like this, and I'll like bring it down. I would say, like, the the manner in which you're speaking right now, it is good. And if you were to say raise your voice just a little bit, it'd, it'd be like going even up. better. It, it'd be going up um, to you. You'd probably be peaking the microphone. Ah, okay. So, like, so maintain the, like this. That one laugh you did where um, you, <laughs> <laughs> good practice is like if you're laughing, throw your head back. Okay. You know what I mean? If you're laughing particularly loud, throw your head, throw your head back. Okay. So this is good. Yeah, it's com- it is completely fine. Wonderful. Yeah. Happy to hear. Going to take a drink of water now. <laughs> that is, so uh, how, how have you been? I hear you have a tiny human. I do have a tiny human. He's great. He's awesome. Oh, it is a boy. It's a boy, and his name is Nawel. Nawel? Yes. Yes, Benson. Thank you. Um, thank you for pronouncing it correctly, because so many people have butchered his name already. I tell my husband, I'm like, what did we do to our child? But his name is, he has a strong name, so, yeah. Where, where does that come from, Nawel? It actually comes from Argentina. It's uh, it's from the Mapuches. It's a Mapuche name. Mapuches are one of the largest indigenous groups in Argentina. Um, I'm half Argentine. My husband's Argentine. There's like a whole legend behind the name, but essentially it means jaguar. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's also symbolic for <clears throat> empathy and compassion and the relationship between, the friendship between animals and men. Right, okay. And women. <laughs> mm. Okay. And uh, what does your husband do? He's actually in the automobile industry. Um, He's the regional manager of after sales for Audi. Okay. So he works for corporate um, and he travels like all around the New England area. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. You know, it's so very different from what I do. Um, But he's really passionate about it. And it was great because his, um, his hobby he likes to work on cars um, and essentially he's married his hobby with like his career. Right. Okay. Yeah. And when, I, when this goes up, would you rather I um, refer to you as Inez Rivera or Inez Rivera prostosin? Whatever. What, what is that? see me. <laughs> you can just call me Inez Rivera. That's fine. <laughs> is that, that is, you hyphenated uh, your your husband's last name with yours? Or? No, that's actually... So, Prodosimi is my mother's maiden name. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, so that's like actually my full last name. That's the name that I publish under. Um, I like to give props to my mom. Okay. You know, since she is such a big influence in my life. <laughs> my dad, too. 
My mom, my mom is, you know, my mom. Is that, I don't, forgive me if I'm ignorant, but um, I didn't recognize prostosime as like a very, say, Latin name or... Oh, it's actually Italian. Oh, okay. Um, that, okay. Yeah, so my mother's uh, father and, and grandfather were Italian. Uh, it's actually pronounced prostocimi, mm-hmm. um, but as, you know, when people move and they assimilate, um, the pronunciation sometimes, or even the spelling of last names can change. Okay. Um, so it's actually Italian from the north, from a place called Belluno in Italy. That cool. Yeah. Cool. Can I ask you questions? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what you do. Oh, really? I, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking this should be like this is. It's more of like a conversation. Yeah, right? it's just it's just us talking. It doesn't have to be about anything at all. Oh. I, I could I could have spent this whole like an entire hour not even like mentioning that you have a doctorate in comparative literature yeah. or anything. Or we could just okay. spend the whole time making each other laugh or talking about pickles. Okay. Wow. Okay. Cool. Can we like talk about like what you did this summer? Yeah. So what did you do? Well, I was podcasting people. So, do you know what what did you get out of that? Um. Uh, well, as people read the description of the podcast, the reason I'm doing this is to feed my curiosity, uh, connect with people, and sometimes get out house. So, did you make any like interesting connections like this summer via the podcast? Um. Yeah, like um, like the first few people I had on were like uh, friends of mine who work in like as photographers or in stuff, and oh. or uh, professors from my community college, and we just uh, we well for, we just first of all as friends we just caught up, but also we just we got into like deepish conversations about like our relationship to the arts and what it oh. means in uh, in modern in modern times. What does it mean? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Had to. <laughs> Is anyone sure? It's. Um, I don't know. I think that uh, you know, there's that saying that art is supposed to incite. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to challenge people's thinking, or at least their their point of view. Um, on some level, it should. Uh, I think it should inspire you, right? And, yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think the. Why do you think that it's questionable now? What it's, I guess, the function of art. Um. Well, I only have my experience to draw from, but to me, art is art is the the most important thing to me. Earth without art is just eh. And <laughs> yeah, it's true. So it's just you know, it's it's the thing that the entire umbrella of arts and entertainment. It's the thing that that like gets me up in the morning. Really, that and anger, and <laughs> anger at myself for pursuing arts. But ooh, what's that anger about? Well, um, so uh, so you read that personal essay I wrote that won awards last year, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know the um, there's some. Well, so I, when I, when I was young, I was very much intent on this plan of like going to hard sciences and stuff. To be at the time, I wanted to be an astrophysicist, and at some point, I became disillusioned with that, and you know, found arts, and I figured that's what I want to do. Those are the only things that ever really mattered to me: arts and entertainment. But as a child of immigrants, mm-hmm. 
the usual itinerary they might have for their children is uh, don't do the arts. You're gonna, you should mm. study something like uh, business, economics, or marketing, or um, do something, earn a degree in something that's rather practical so you can you know, earn money and survive. On some level, I feel this, um, this guilt that I'm, it's sort of a selfish pursuit because I don't, for one, I don't want to help other people, if you know what I mean. Like, there are people who, like, they, they major in, like, nursing or uh, social work or they, they joined the Peace Corps or something like that. And they're actively trying to help people. And because that's that's what what they like to do, what gives their life meaning. But in my case, it's like I want to be an artist, and I feel weird saying that. But I, I there's no I feel that is the uh, description with the le- with the path of least resistance to get the message across. But I guess I want to be an artist. But but don't you think that in that pursuit of art, I mean, you're trying to connect with people and you try to help people through art. Um, At least you try to you try to incite something in people through through art. I'm I'm not just talking about visual art, but film and 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 literature and. I mean, on on some level, like I had a conversation with a friend of mine about how you could think of it as it is servicing other people. It's giving them entertainment, like in the form of film or music and such. But it's all it's still I think of it as a rather selfish pursuit because I'm just like I want. Like there are people who really do want to do things that make a difference that matter, and then I'm like, uh, I like watching movies and playing guitar. But I mean, I guess it would depend on the content of the film and and or a text, um, because oftentimes, you know, for if I if I think about the work that I do, if I think about what I teach, um, I like. I like to expose my students to, for example, like poetry of witness. Mm-hmm. So, so poetry that on some level documents an experience, maybe an, an experience that was silenced, like a genocide, for example. Right. Um, and I think in, in that very much is in the service of, of people. And that, and that very much is also kind of activism, too. Um, I'm also a painter, and although my 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 paintings they're not activism, you know, but on in some level I'm trying to connect with people through what I depict, mm-hmm. right? Whether that is just kind of changing their perception of art or what constitutes art, or just making beautiful art. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think it I, I guess it would depend on the content of like what you want to create and why you want to create it. Well, the stuff I want to make is whatever it comes out to be, you could say. I just, I'm not, I don't think I'll ever intentionally or make an agenda of me, like, putting some kind of political message in my work or anything, in anything I do, because it feels, like, if I were to make a record and the songs were very political and, like, very overt and not subtle about it, that would feel like um, a betrayal to whoever would be listening. Because mm-hmm. in the end, when I look at a record and I'm just like, this is just music to listen to because I like to listen to music. That feels like a, 
an aspect of the music I didn't ask for. You know what I mean? Unless I were going to, unless I were actually looking to, um, say, go to grab a record by, like, uh, Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing. That was, you know, that's very, that's really him singing about uh, political upheaval and social change during that time. But if I were to, like, go to a show and they start spouting all this yeah. political whatever, I'm like, I don't want to hear this. I came here to see the show. I don't, if I, if I were to, like, make records like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to be so overt or forward with a message because it feels like you're, um, it's almost like you're attacking whoever's listening Mm-hmm. Because you is like you're very you're encroaching upon their listening experience. You're like I want you to hear this, even though, you know, first things first, music. I listen to music because it's fun to listen to, not because I want to hear what your thoughts about whatever. But music always has a message. I mean, so even sometimes not, it sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. You're right. <laughs> I mean, there's there's stuff I listen to that's really fun. And interesting, but the lyrics can be nonsense. Like, um, yeah. you ever listen to Beck? Yeah. Yeah, like the song Loser or where it's at. I got two turntables and a microphone or the Jigsaw Jazz and Get Fresh Flow. I'm like, yeah, uh, he's not really singing about anything, but I, I don't care. Or rather, he's rapping in those songs. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm thinking of, you know, I'm thinking my brother actually DJ. So, you know, when I hear that lyric, I, I interpret it totally different. It's either he's about to to create a party or he's about to create a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I you know, I guess I, I, I think it depends on the content. Sure. Yeah. I don't you know, I, I don't really like things that are so overtly political um, either. Um, but sometimes I think, you know, um, you know, a text or a piece of music or or a film that's not actually overtly political can be like the most political yeah. uh, piece of art, you know, when it doesn't actually bop you like over the head. It, but in any case, you know, even if the piece of music is just, for example, about, I don't know, feeling good or um, I'm going to give you an example. It might be actually a really bad example, but I remember um, when I was studying art in the Dominican Republic in Alto Sechabon, we would go to this bar called Papa Jack's and they always played reggaeton. And this is like when reggaeton hadn't even hit the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking, well, God, what's the value of this music? You know, like it doesn't say anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's all about, yeah, I'm going to dance. I'm going to feel like I've got this girl, you know, like, and some Sometimes it really just doesn't say anything. And one of my one of my good friends, uh, my friend Jesus, he was like, Ines, sometimes music is just to dance to. <laughs> and there's, you know, and there's this idea, there's this sense that, you know, and I got it, you know, like sometimes you just kind of want to dance to a nice beat. And that's yeah. how you're kind of creating this connection with other human beings. The lyrics might not say anything, but it might be awesome to dance to. Yeah. Um, and I and I think and that and I think that you know because when I think of art, we usually think of it as being this kind of individual, individually created thing. Um, when there's always, I feel like this reciprocal nature to it. Um, I don't I don't know I don't know about you, but I don't make art so that it just kind of exists as a canvas in my basement. 
I'm always making art to share it with people, whether that's like my poetry, whether that's like more critical pieces, whether that's a painting, you know, ultimately, ultimately I'm, I'm, I'm usually kind of doing it for other people, but in a really inadvertent way. So I might write a poem about something that struck me in the news, or I might write a poem about uh, somebody in my family or just an experience that kind of struck me that I, that, that I thought was interesting. Um, but I always think that there's this kind of intention that I would like at least some feedback on it, right? I would like somebody to read it. I would like somebody to, to see my painting because I'm wondering if they're going to see something that I don't. I, I, for, for me, art always has that kind of reciprocal nature to it. If a film, you want people to watch it. A piece of music, you want people to listen to it or hear it or dance to it. Even if it's not like going to change them, you know, like at least momentarily that song's going to get them to dance and feel good for about three minutes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, it goes back to my presupposition that my pursuit of art is inherently selfish because in the end, I'm, I see most things as like a musician. Like if you expect anything from music, you expect too much. In the end, I'm, I'm, I play music and, and I write music first and foremost for myself. Yeah. And if peop, other people happen to like it, if they happen to find it and like it, then um, that, that's great. But it is more for me, to, for, for me to get inside of this art form I love so much, music, but also see if I can, say, write songs, compose like scores of my films and it's uh it's more for me to see if I can do it and if it fulfills me. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um you know I'm I'm the child of 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 two immigrants too and what's I think what's really interesting with my parents is that my parents my parents had four kids mm-hmm. and we couldn't turn out any different. But my um my mom always told me that you have to study something that you're passionate about. Mm. You know, I could break myself like studying accounting, right? Cause accounting pays the bills. <laughs> um, but that's not what I'm passionate about. And ultimately having a career at that would be a really painful career if I'm not really being fulfilled by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand like there, there's, you know, we, we, at least in my family, you know, if we didn't study something like medicine <laughs> or something practical, um, we were going to go all the way in terms of schooling, mm-hmm. you know, like you, you know, you got your bachelor's and then my parents would be like, well, now you can get your master's. Well, now you can get your PhD. Um, cause the idea was that at least if you had that education, you would have at least you know, more prospects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, more economic stability if, you know, if, if that. Um, my sister always has this saying, like when she's comparing us, because I'm a twin, um, she says, you always respect your path. Meaning when I went to college, I studied fine arts and creative writing for my bachelor's um, because I couldn't imagine studying, I don't know, I couldn't imagine like studying, you know, biology or engineering. Um, I wasn't passionate about it, but I also kind of at a very early age, I, I knew what my strengths were, you know, they might not be the most practical <laughs> maybe. Um, but well, this is my whole point. You know, maybe you're meant to, maybe if you, 
you, you feel like this inherent selfishness in your art form. And, you know, maybe to some extent that's true, but maybe that's, that's the kind of the path you need to walk so that you do actually have that kind of stability because stability comes in a lot of different forms. It's, you know, it's not just economic stability. It's, there's a, a whole a lot of like aspects to it, psychological stability, emotional stability, you know, so that you can be like a, a better whole person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh-uh. The great thing is that I really liked entomology and <laughs> geology in my undergrad. Um, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I should have been, you know, oftentimes I think I should have been a doctor. If you think well, about you it, you are a doctor now. Well, I am a doctor. Not I mean, that kind but I mean, of I mean, like an MD. <laughs> yeah, like I'm a doctor, but I like, but I'm not like an MD because sometimes I do. I like you. I think I, I feel like I could be of better service to people and have that kind of, um, I guess, security or we'll call it security. Um, if I were like an MD, but also because if you think about being a doctor, it is kind of like an art form in itself. Sure. I have this like friend who's a surgeon and she's, she's a plastic surgeon and not, and I don't think it's a coincidence that she paints too. Yeah. Um, she actually does reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like if a kid has a cleft palate or mm-hmm. if somebody has like a really bad wound on their face, like she's the one that fixes them. <laughs> um, and I think that's interesting to think of, you know, to think of how she is like this doctor and, and we might think that it has nothing to do with um, fine art and yet she creates these beautiful paintings. <laughs> Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but well, I always thought that I, you know, I was like, you know, if I could do it all over again, I should have been a doctor. Cause maybe if I had the idea that I could pursue two things simultaneously, mm. then maybe I would have, I, I would have taken more chances. Right. Uh, but I think, I don't know. I think fine art and, 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 and writing is, is enough for me. Plus I can't take the blood, <laughs> you know, and that goes back to me respecting my path. <laughs> I think in my case, it's more about not wanting to if i were to get like a degree and a proceed with a career in something that quote unquote that's real <laughs> then i'm like i would feel me pursuing arts and stuff is me trying to not grow up if you know what i mean oh like or like i i'm currently 23 i got my associate's degree at 22 with a vision for me to pursue arts. And now I'm in a, I'm in a process of earning a bachelor's with like three and a half programs worth of requirements that will, that I will have, that I will have, will have to complete in four years because that's what I was going, that's how long my scholarship lasts. That's, I feel like that's me again trying to put off like becoming an adult. Oh. You know, like you go to, you, you finish, like if you were a normal, a normal person, you normal. would, uh, uh, There's you would, that word. You would earn your bachelor's at 22, but then you, um, but then you're like, uh, you're, you feel that, um, like the world's kind of sinking in, like, uh, I have to like be an adult and like get a job or I can like stay in school and get like a graduate degree. You know what I mean? You know what's funny is I I feel like we're kind of conditioned to, <laughs> to reach these benchmarks, 
you know, you come out of college, you go, you, you come out of high school, you go to college, college is four years. And then afterwards, maybe you do grad school. And then afterwards, maybe you get married and then afterwards you get a house and all of that, right? That these, there's these like little benchmarks that we're supposed to yeah. meet. And I think like eventually people realize that, you know, we're all so different that, um, there's a lot of different ways to kind of reach an idea of success or reach, um, an accomplishment. I'll give you an example actually from, from like, from, from like my life, you know, my sister, um, my sister right now, she's really thinking about having kids, you know, and she just got engaged. We're twins. You're identical twin sister. We're we're identical twin sisters. Yes. (laughs) And you know, Pat's like, Pat's like, Oh, you know, I should have done this. I should have done that. You know, she has a PhD in, in, in sociology, she studies the implementation of domestic violence laws in Argentina and, and Brazil. And she's been living in Brazil for five years. Uh, she's lived in a lot of different places in my, my dad's country, the Dominican Republic, my mom's Argentina. Uh, she spent some time in, uh, in the West bank. Um, she's, you know, she's lived in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a master's, she has a PhD, she dances, she does Afro-Cuban. So she has like these two avenues that she's always had to kind of find a balance between, between her academic, her academic and professional life, uh, with her, her dance life. Right. Right. And I always tell her it's dangerous if you're going to pick one because that's how she's fulfilled. But now she's looking at everybody they have families, like they're on kid number three. Um, they buy, they buy houses, you know, they have this kind of economic security. Um, and she thinks that somehow she went, she went wrong. Yeah. You know, but I tell her, how many people do we know that have accomplished everything that she's accomplished? You know, how many people that we know, um, have really quite literally traveled the world or, um, have have learned three four languages mm-hmm. N- not a lot you know and I, I think there's like a lot of value in that my whole my whole point is that somehow my sister thinks that she's gone wrong because she didn't hit the benchmarks when she was supposed to hit the benchmarks yeah or she hit a different benchmark you know uh instead of instead of i don't know getting married and having kids after college or after a master's you know she traveled the world and you know and she studied in different places and she she literally quite literally lived in different cultures yeah um you know, and, and that's my pet talk to her. <laughs> I'm like, you know, just because you didn't hit these benchmarks when you were supposed to, or maybe you hit them earlier, or you just did it in a different way, that doesn't that doesn't make, you know, your journey or what you've done any less valuable. Um, yeah, I feel like people shouldn't really. We always have this idea of we're supposed to, yeah, uh, have graduated from school yeah. at this age to uh, get married at this age, have kids by this age, and but like. I don't ever plan to like get married or buy a house or I, again, it's like me trying to uh, uh, stave off adulthood. It, I, I only, for one, I can't, I can barely take care of myself. I can't take care of other people. And so me pursuing stuff like arts, it's just, it's me trying to, it's all it's all about me. It's all about me trying to make sure I can be fulfilled by myself with the things I'm doing and not because I'm supposed to have, be doing these particular things like get married, have kids, buy yeah. a house. And, you know, it's a 
Nope, go ahead. You know, Benson, it's selfish, but it's necessary. What I mean by that is if you're not happy, then there's no way then there's no way you you can attract happiness and then there's no way that you can it's gonna affect how you, you connect with other human beings. But this point about like about I don't know, I guess like not wanting to face adulthood, I don't really know when adulthood happens. I really don't. Look, I just had a kid and I thought that then I was gonna definitely feel like an adult. And no, I still don't. <laughs> um you know what's really interesting about artists if you see their work you know, you take an artist like Picasso, you ta- take an artist like um, Miro. Um, so many of those artists, you know, if you see the trajectory of their work, mm. they always go back to childhood. <laughs> that yeah. there's something about that that period in time that's like magical and it's full of wonderment. Um, and it, 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 and it, it has a lot of energy around it that kind of instigates more art. I don't think it's a coincidence that you, you have like an artist like Picasso who, you know, who can do very, very, um, who can do realism. Right. And who has different periods in, in his life. Uh, um, but he ends up in this, like kind of in this period of, of like childhood. That's like this last like art period. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. And now that I've actually had a, a child, I was reading about this the other day. A baby, the the amount of work that a baby's like brain is doing, we lose that. We lose it by half over our lifetime. Like the connections that a baby is making. The neuroplasticity? Yes. Yes. Well, it's good. You just put it a lot better than I did. Um, we lose that by half over the trajectory of yeah. our lives, meaning their brains are, I almost feel like their brains are far more advanced than ours. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, when I have interactions with, um, with, with kids, I'm just like, I'm always like, I'm always like, I'm always like, wow, man, they're so much smarter than adults. I feel like adults, like they have these, like they have the benchmarks, they have these preconceived notions, they have these opinions, they, um, you know, that almost in many ways, uh, set them back, you know, um, I can't remember who said this to me, but, but they were like, you know, you, you like to play, you like to play a, a lot in, in, in the way that children play, you know, we were talking about my poetry and I was like, oh, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, you know, for me, for me, a poem it, in a weird way, it reminds me of, um, it reminds me of doing math in second and third grade when I wanted to get the right answer. And I knew that if I just moved around some numbers or if I played with, you know, played with the formula that maybe I could, I could get to the, I could get to the end well. Um, that's how I feel when I do poetry. That's yeah. how I do feel when I when I make art. Um, there's a kind of spontaneity to it, mm-hmm. but then there's also like this kind of method to it. Yeah, um, it's like a puzzle that I'm trying to figure out, and I'm enjoying actually the process of figuring figuring it out, much like a child. Yeah, <laughs> and um, for someone I was for someone who was so predisposed to math and science when I was younger, I really wish that carried over to other areas like, um, say, reading and analyzing literature. I would like to formally thank you on record <laughs> for teaching me how to read last semester. Thanks, because when it was, um, you know, I had like advanced English courses in high school and stuff, but I never learned. We would read literature, but we would never read into the the literature. When high sc- when kids are reading books, literature, 
they're reading they're almost reading for plot they're jo- they're only reading for what's happening like what happens the events that in in the plot line so they can pass their test yeah but they're not um really looking into the what lies beneath and what other things the literature could mean other than what happened in the plot yeah that's surface stuff uh, yeah the plot stuff is the surface stuff uh. like i remember um when we were reading Farming of Bones in our world literature class, there was a day when I had read this section rather cursory, like, and it was, I think, T, Chuck, and Joe were presenting on that section of the book. And The Sugar Woman? Was it uh, The Sugar I, Woman? I'm not, I, can't, I can't remember, but it was something about rivers. And I, I found myself, I was really surprising myself with the connections I was making about with about those sections of the book in the moment of our discussion. I was throwing out like several things per page. I remember that actually. And I was on, I was I felt on it was like my brain was on fire because probably because I didn't have much sleep that night. But also it was just like they kept coming to me. I'm like, what the hell is this? I I'm it fun the way you taught um, close reading. And literary analysis, it rewired my brain and fundamentally changed the way I look at texts. And now I find it's I can I can quote unquote read now. And that's, that's why uh, that's why I read. <laughs> that's why I write. <laughs> that's why I paint actually. Because for me, for for me, an author putting together a story is very much like a painter painting a painting. Yeah. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to connect the dots. I'm trying to, why is this image repeated? What are we doing with this character? Is this just a secondary character? You know, why is there so much like romanticism around a character? Um, why does a character say what they, what they say? I love that. And for, and, and in a weird way, it makes me feel like I'm in like second grade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, one plus one is two. Okay. I think, I, I think I've got it. Oh my God. Fractions. Yeah. Um, it, it gives me that kind of, uh, it gives me that energy. Yeah. You know, it's like a pursuit. Yeah. It gives me that sense of pursuit. And yeah. I get that sense of pursuit even when I'm painting because I'm like, where are we going with this? Yeah. You know, but I need to trust the process. And um, it's just not as so defined if I think of like STEM. Yeah. Um, and when I, sure, I enjoyed reading stuff when I was growing up. Well, it wasn't until like my very first kind of foray into literary analysis and really being fascinated by it was when like I read Catcher in the Rye. Oh, and yeah. I would look up um, interpretations and videos of analysis of the text. And these, like, realizations people would have, these connections to draw from, where you realize how the subtext comments on the text itself, mm-hmm. that really blew my mind. And it made me, like, excited to read and analyze literature. And so... It that was I think that was the point during which I, um, I almost always had English as an interest of mine to study. Because I just figured, um, well, for one, I can, I don't think I could tolerate studying anything other than film or English. But also, sure, I like reading, and there's more to it than reading. You know, it's interesting of, of what you said. You you also commented on you kind of underscored the sense of community and how people 
how you can kind of make these connections by having like discussions. Yeah. Um, so it's not so solitary. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, okay. Making art is, I feel like it could be inherently selfish, but it's, it's not always such a solitary act too. And I, and, and it does kind of instigate these things like discussions and, um, and you talk to people and you notice things that they notice and you, and that kind of influences how you're interpreting a film or a text or a piece of music. Um, so it, it goes back to like my previous, um, comment in terms of the kind of reciprocal nature of art. Mm -hmm. Um, inevitably, yes, you're creating it on some level for yourself. Um, but, but also think, when people interpret it, they're creating meaning for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true too, too. Um, but, but again, there, there is this kind of interaction that you're having on some level. For example, you know, you write to an audience, right? You're mm -hmm. always conscious of an audience or a reader yeah, um, or a viewer. Actually, I should, I should, I should mention that. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. I see. I also would, would like to thank you for teaching me how to write. Because oh, gosh, Benson, you're really giving me too much credit. A, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just that again with like um, reading and literary analysis, it was never really laid out in a way that could make me understand what it meant. And so and now I realize I can write papers in a way that makes sense and as rather easy for me. Because in the end, you're just telling people what you think about text. That's, yeah. that's literally it. You just have to be able to attach it to the, the textual evidence and guide them through your thought process behind the point or claim you're trying to make about the text. Oh, I was going to actually say that point about guide. <laughs> but you got it, Benson. You got it. <laughs> like I wrote a paper for, for Mark, Mark's class on Milton. Mm -hmm. I was able to get like a page and a half analysis from a single word. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was a good class. Yeah. I bet that was a good paper too. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah. I got, an, I got an A in class. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny whenever I give like the close reading assignment, like, especially to like, uh, for example, to like an intro to lit course, mm -hmm. they're like, wait, so you want me to write three or four pages on three or four sentences? Yeah. You know? Um, and I'm like, if you do the work, you have more than enough meat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're always they're always shocked at that first at that first assignment mm -hmm. because it in it inevitably will lead you to having to do the hard work of well why did they use this term what's going on these two terms they kind of contrast oh there's like this use of repetition that's got to be something that I can talk about inevitably because you have such a short amount of text to work with. Yeah. Um, but it always like scares them in the beginning. <laughs> well, I think you have to, you have to go soon. So gotta go <laughs> soon, Benson. <laughs> I wish we could talk more, but me too. Oh, uh -uh. well, yeah, I have this up in a way you can probably come back later, but yeah. Uh, so you could become like, we could do like a follow up podcast. Yeah, like uh -uh. a, like a, you, I, I haven't had anyone come up, come back yet, huh. but you know, it could just be like, uh, Inez Rivera returns and we just talk yeah. about other stuff. It could be me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Benson. Cool. Cool.